just have something to share in light of these revival meetings coming up, which start on Sunday at 1030. Then we're going to have our fellowship meal. And then at two o'clock, we'll have the afternoon service. That way the Canfield family also will be able to join us. Uh, but so Sunday will be a good day in the Lord. And Brother Adam Buckler or Reverend Adam Buckler will be preaching for us. So we definitely want to make sure we're there. Um, but we're going to be looking in Luke 18, 1 through 8. Luke 18, 1 through 8. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, <clears throat> saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And just a, a little bit more of a narrowed focus, that question. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? It's kind of a... Well, I, I just want to start by saying that we need to pray in preparation for these revival meetings coming. And it needs to be unrelenting, persisting, pursuing prayer in this respect. We don't want to just have the meetings and then sit in the meetings and then go through the meetings and say, wasn't that a wonderful time? We want to say, Lord... Here we are. We want so much that you would manifest yourself in these meetings. We want it to be communion with God, communion with his spirit in these meetings. We don't want to, Lord, just go through the motions. We want to meet with you. We want you to just come down and talk with us. And we want to be changed. We want to be filled. We want to be blessed. We want to be helped. And the way that we're going to get that is through prayer, unrelenting, persistent, pursuing prayer, because we have an enemy of our souls that's unrelenting, persistent, and pursuing as well. And so we have to fight with the same diligence the devil does if we're going to expect that God's going to help us. So Jesus asked this question at the end of this parable about the unjust judge, will he find faith? Will he find faith? That implies that Jesus had the knowledge of the tendency for us perhaps to get lax or to let go or to, to waver, not to boldly press our claims to the throne and just kind of let things happen as they happen without pressing in and, and believing God to do something. And so I want to speak to you about prayer in many different ways. First of all, some things about prayer for us to understand. Prayer takes honesty. I think we understand that. 
Jesus wants to know what's going on inside of our hearts. He doesn't want us to pray nice words out. He wants us to pray what we feel, what we want, what we desire. So thinking about these meetings coming up, what do you feel? What do you want? What do you desire for yourself? What do you feel? What do you want? What do you desire for the church? What do you desire for other people that are here? That's what he wants us to pray about. He wants us to just simply ask him. We find in this parable that this lady simply expressed her need. She was a widow in that city, and she said, avenge me of my adversary. Sounds like she knew what she wanted, right? I need you to avenge me of my adversary. And God wants us to come up to him. Lord, this is what I want. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost inside of my own heart. I need a fresh vision of Jesus Christ because I am getting dry, maybe. Lord, I need help somewhere in my life. I need help here in confusion. I need help here where I feel like I need direction. I don't know what our needs may be, but we, we, we would do good to take some time to just sit and think about our needs and, and really get that down, maybe even write it down so that we have such a focus when we're praying. Think about also what the needs of the church might be. Honestly, think about that. Think about what the needs of other people in the church may be. Now, honesty is wonderful, and that's going to get us far in the place of prayer because then we're really actually dealing with God about reality. But when we have honesty, we need to back it up with some earnestness. Now, we can be honest to God about our needs, but then we have to, as I was saying, express those needs to God. How much do you want this? How much do you need God's help? How much do you long to see him move in these meetings? How much do you long to bask in his presence with God's people as we gather here together? That is something you and I have to answer. Now, we're not just trying to work things up just by human, um, I don't know, strength, but there is a sense in which we have, to, we have to just rouse ourselves up. We have to have somewhat of a holy violence because the devil is violent against the children of God. The devil is constantly pummeling us with accusations, with testings, with oppression, with everything he can possibly do. With such violence, he attacks the people of God. And so we as soldiers of Christ need to have that bit of holy violence as we pray, saying, Lord, this is what I want. And this is what the devil keeps saying to me. And it feels like it's brass when I'm praying, Lord, because the devil's trying to stop me from praying. He's trying to stop me from or discourage me from praying. He's trying to cool down my faith and my earnestness, and my desires before you. And we have to have a holy violence and come in and say, Lord, I see it's the devil. But here's what you've said. This is what your word declares. And then we repeatedly are pleading and pressing our case before God, believing that he is actually going to do what we're asking. Otherwise, prayer doesn't really mean much. But when we know that we're asking according to his will, then we just need to keep storming the throne of grace against all the thoughts that may be going in our minds, against all the oppression and that heaviness the devil tries to lay down. We have to repeatedly plead and press our case because we want an answer. We need an answer, right? God's pleased with that type of praying. You can find that that type of praying is throughout the Old Testament. 
You can find that that type of prayer is throughout Christian history. You look where people got so desperate. They wanted God to do something. And what did they do? Lord, we will not rest until it happens. We need this, Lord. And God came through when people were earnest. When people wanted what they were asking for, he came through. But here's something else that helps us. We also need to be simple. Just simple. And I, I think sometimes we hear other people pray and then we think we've got to somehow have this wonderful, eloquent prayer language that's, and, and some kind of rhythm or cadence in the way that we pray. No, God wants honesty. He wants us to be earnest and mean it. And he wants us to be simple. Whatever that looks like for you or whatever that looks like for me, let's just do it. But let's not get caught up in what it looks like for somebody else and then try and imitate them. Let's just do it ourselves. So it's not a pious, a pious platitude, meaning that we just kind of construct something that looks like a masterful piece of art, but just simple and direct. I read about Oswald Chambers. It said that he wrote his prayers out daily in his diary. And his reason for doing it was he wanted to be so specific and so exact in his praying. He said he didn't want to waste time. He didn't want to ramble about about a bunch of things. He wanted to sit and actually think and then write down what he really wanted before God. And then he prays. He prayed those things because he wanted to be simple and direct. Charles Spurgeon said, when I pray, I like to go to God just as I go to a bank clerk when I have a check to be cashed. I walk in, I put the check down on the counter and the clerk gives me my money. I take it up and I go about my business. I do not know that I ever stepped in a bank five minutes to talk with the clerks. When I have received my change, I go away and attend to other matters. That is how I like to pray. But there is a way of praying that seems like lounging near the mercy seat as though one had no particular reason for being found there. <laughs> what, a, what a way of speaking. But he said, I like to do business with the Lord when I go and pray. I like to come in there with a specific, direct reason and a request. And I like to bring it before God. And then I get my request and then I'm done. And then I go about my business. And if something comes up again later, I'll do the same thing just like that again. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't times where we wait on God, but I do like that thought of how direct and simple things need to be. Uh, illustrating this point again, a man, George Mueller, known mighty for his faith. This is told of him once while he was on his way to speak in Quebec for an engagement on the deck of the ship that was to carry him to his destination, he informed the captain that he needed to be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. As the captain related the story, he said, it is impossible, I said. Do you know how dense this fog is? No, George replied. My eyes not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of life. I have never broken an engagement in 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. He knelt down and he prayed one of the most simple prayers. When he had finished, this is the captain speaking, when George Mueller had finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. As you do not believe he will answer, and as I believe he has, there is no need for you whatever, or there is no need for you whatever for you to pray about it. 
I looked at him and George Mueller said, Captain, I've known my Lord for 57 years and there has never been a single day when I failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door and you'll find that the fog has gone. I got up and the fog indeed was gone. And on that Saturday afternoon, George Mueller kept his promised engagement. So here he went to his knees, very simple request, and then stood up and that man was just about ready to start praying. And George Mueller said, there's no need for you to pray right now because you don't believe God will do it. I already believe he has done it. He's never failed me yet. Go look up, up on deck out there and you'll see the fog's gone. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's wonderful. That's what God wants us to be like. Very simple, very direct, just trusting the Lord. Uh, that instructs me and, and challenges me and blesses me all at the same time. <clears throat> we need to believe, obviously, when we're praying. If this lady didn't believe when she was talking to the unjust judge, she wouldn't have continued to persist as she did. But apparently she believed that her persistence was eventually going to get what she wanted. And it did. The judge said, I can't stand this lady. She's driving me nuts. Here, I'll give you what you want if you'll just leave me alone. That's not how the Lord is, though. He said, if an unjust judge is like that, how much more is a caring, compassionate and loving God to his own children? So exponentially more. But perhaps you say, I cannot pray for others, for I'm so weak and so powerless. I believe this is Spurgeon again. You will get strength, my brethren, by the exertion. But besides, the prevalence of prayer does not depend upon the strength of the man who prays, but upon the power of the argument he uses. Now, brethren, if you sow seed, you may be very feeble, but it's not your hand that puts the seed into the ground which produces the harvest. It is the vitality in the seed. And so in the prayer of faith, when you complete a promise and drop that prayer into the ground with hope, your weakness shall not make it miscarry. It shall still prevail with God and bring down blessings from on high. That's awesome. Our faith is not in us and in our power. Our faith is simply, like he said, we are making a good case in prayer. And how do you and I make a good case except that we look inside the word of God, see what God has said about himself, see what he said in certain promises that may apply to the situations that we would like to see a change in. And then he said, then you realize the vitality is in the seed of God's promise. Pray it, drop it in the ground, let God water it, and then just have that hope and your weakness will be made strength because of the power of the promise. God help us to pray like that for these revival meetings going up and continually onward. Get Lord, help me to get a hold of something in this Bible that I can grab hold of and trust and believe you for so that I might see some results. So naturally we realize there's prayer for self-revival. We may feel like I need a refreshing, I need a reviving. So what do we do? I said this on Sunday morning, but I'll say it again. There's a different crowd of people here tonight. But Charles Finney's advice was this. <clears throat> If you need a refreshing of your soul, if you need to just kind of soften things up in your heart so that the Spirit of God can then yet again work in a fresh way, he said, get a pen and get a paper. Then start thinking about some things that perhaps need some fixing in your heart or in your life. Lord, I have not spent as much time time in prayers, I feel I should. And I'm not trying to dig something up. I'm just saying, if I'm just giving you an example. 
Lord, I, I feel like I don't like reading the Bible as much as I really should. Or, Lord, I feel like I, I was, I've been unkind in my words to such and such a person. I haven't done this when I feel like you've been talking to me about it. Whatever it is, whether it be sins that we've done or things that we should have done that we've left undone, he said, take a pen and a paper, write these things down, and as you do it, you're confessing these things to God. He said, you'll start to realize that the way your mind works is suggestion upon suggestion will come. And sensibly, within a short amount of time, you'll start to feel that softening of heart. You'll start to feel that the Lord is there to help you and not the devil battering you and beating you, but the Lord's coming down to your aid. And so we need to, as we're praying for revival of ourselves, in a very practical way, Lord, here's what's going on. Here's what I need help with. There it all is. We need to know our own heart. We need to take an honest assessment of ourselves in the light of God's word. So we need to pray for ourselves and open our hearts up to the Lord and say, Lord, this meeting's for me. I need your help. Then we need to pray also for a general revival. So a general revival is also this church, the people in this church. We pray for those that maybe have been coming to the church and aren't saved yet, but maybe they're close. We pray conviction on their hearts so that they'll see their need and they'll come to the foot of the cross. We pray for those that are saved and perhaps they're struggling in some part of their life. We pray, Lord, help them to get through this struggle. Help these ones that are saved that are seeking to be sanctified to get through and be sanctified holy. Help those people that are sanctified to get a fresh baptism of your spirit once again. Whatever all the needs may be. Help these people that, Lord, look like they're cooling off. I don't know who will all be here, but you can rest assured that something of what I've just said is going to be represented here in the church some way, somehow. And so we need to pray for general revival. Lord, open people's hearts so it's not hard and crusty. Lord, help people to be soft to the spirit of God when he speaks. So we're praying for specific individuals. We're praying for this specific church. And, you know, if we were going beyond these meetings as well, we would be praying for the church of Jesus Christ at large. Wake us up again, Lord. We need your help. Then we think about this prayer, unrelenting, persistent, and pursuing. That's what these Wednesday night meetings are for. We come together. We pray together. If there's special seasons of prayer, which I'm hoping to do, for at least Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, coming here at 6.15 every night, the meeting will start at seven, but coming here at 6.15 every night to pray before the meetings start, to have that atmosphere of prayer and to seek God then. So we need to have prayer meetings that concern uh, the work of the church, that concern what's going on here in this local church and this local church's influence around in the community. And these prayer meetings, we need to seek God himself, meaning it's like, we're not just rattling off a list of prayers. We're saying, Lord, we want you to work in us. Is there something in the way? Is there something, Lord, that you want to talk to us about that would help us as a church? Is there something, Lord, that, that, is, that you want to do that we're ignorant of right now, that you need to make an adjustment in us so that this can happen? And we're seeking him. We want him. We want his presence. So in conclusion, we need to give ourselves to more prayer in, in, in these revival meeting efforts. We need to give ourselves to more prayer when we're at home, 
And then when we have these special times of prayer beforehand, seeking God and saying, Lord, we so desperately love you and we so desperately want you to help us. We want, like Paul said, there to be a demonstration of the spirit and of power in these meetings. That's what we want. So attend prayer meetings. Come on Wednesday nights, not just because of these revival meetings coming on, but come every Wednesday night so that when we are gathered together, we're praying. We're praying these Wednesday nights for the work of this church. And also, if they're, whenever there's special meetings, do that as well. And the great encouragement is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's what the devil wants us to do. He's trying to pound us and discourage us. Don't give up. Because the Bible says we will reap if we faint not. Which means that there may be times where we feel so close to fainting. Because prayer is work. Because we're fighting against all hell when we do it. But don't give up, for you shall reap if you faint not. You remember the question Jesus had? Will he find faith? Remember Jesus said, if it's faith the size of a mustard seed, it could move a mountain. That helps you, me, and that would, I hope would help you the same, to realize all it takes is for me to just hold on. Even if I feel like it's not some mighty faith I've got, but I'm just holding on, Lord. I'm believing you. The Lord says, that's what I'm looking for. Someone who can trust me, even when they feel like they're about to faint. Don't give up. You'll reap if you faint not. So may the Lord help us as we are preparing for these revival meetings.